This is the Strode College Digital T Level podcast. That one I took home yesterday doesn't work. Doesn't work at all? Nope. Black
They could work from home. They could work around the hours they needed. They could see their family. If they had young family, they actually spent some time with them. Big change. So who wants to do that? I mean, I've, I've said before, when I used to work, the last company I worked with, I had to go to London at least once a month, sometimes two or three times in a week. I'd see the same people on the 5.40 a.m. train as I saw coming back on the 7 o'clock train. They were doing that every single day, right? Huge amount of hours in your life. So remote working has changed things a lot. All of, and again, you, you see it yourselves in your own thing because the actual changes to the dynamic, initially when the T-Level was launched, said it's going to be face-to-face -face work for everyone, work placement. Oh, we can't make that happen. So this, this current cohort is 40%. So 40% of the time you can do online and that's 20% for your cohort. But I think it will go up next year. Yours will be 40% as well. And the thing is, all of the companies I'm talking to, not so much with what you're doing in terms of support and data, well, maybe with data, but certainly for the software development team, all the companies I've talked to about workplace, but they're all working from home. They said, we started working from home in the pandemic. It's really productive. The company's improved productivity. Why would we go back to the office and face all those costs? So remote working is, is going to improve. But the other side of that in terms of ethics and morals, the, the exam type questions is, how do I know, if I'm your boss, how do I know you're working eight hours a day that I'm paying you for? Right? It depends on your outlook. My last company I worked for, because I worked from home, they said to me, they, they were fairly relaxed about it, the, the boss said, look, I don't care what you do during your day, but as long as you meet your targets by the end of the week. Right? If you spend 12 hours one day and then take two days off, then, then do that. But I just want the productivity at the end of the week, which is quite a good way of doing it. Now, other people say... I don't care, I want my eight hours squeezed out of you every day. Right, so how can, you, how can you get that from remote working? How do you know people are doing their eight hours? What kind of technology can you use? Cameras. Cameras, yep. Some, some companies are now placing cameras within your home in order to monitor your work output. Right? Now, ethically and morally, is everyone happy about that? I, mean, I, th I think cameras is probably the biggest step between... Obviously, it's one thing having, like... You're, you're being watched through your webcam occasionally, but then having like a full-on camera installed to constantly be watching, monitoring 24-7, obviously that's quite a step up. Mm -hmm. So sort of finding the balance between being tracked and just completely invasion of privacy. Yeah, I, I mean, I think being, so the boss might argue, well, I, you know, if you're at work, I, I'm my open plan office, I can see when you come and go. And it's just like that. It's not really, is it? it, it your home is your home. You shouldn't be invading that sort of privacy. So it's quite a difficult area. Could you use some sort of software to um, see what applications they're on for how long, for how long they're on the computer for, rather than a camera? You could do, yeah. And again, um, and there's, not, there's, there's issues around that, but that's probably the only way you can do it. You right. could just keep your computer on and it'll walk off. Yeah. But, it, but if, yeah. if it's yeah. tracking activity and yeah. movement of the computer, yeah. Again, there's, there's issues on both sides. As an employee, I don't want to be tracked 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. I, I want, I, it's a question of trust, isn't it? I want them to trust that I will get on and do my job. Yeah, if I go off and make a cup of tea and this, I do that at work anyway. Um, but again, you know, the extreme side of it, if people are watching me all the time, you know, that's that's quite unpleasant, isn't it? It makes doesn't make for a good working environment. It makes me less productive because I'm just on on edge all the time. So again, there's, that's the sort of moral ethical issues about it. And then, in terms of the impact, you know, everyone, all of you probably experienced Zoom or Teams or whatever as video conferencing for your education. I mean, what impact did that have on your educational attainment, do you think? No one listened. No one listened, yeah? yeah. Possibly. Yeah. 
Now, you probably did what, what I imagine everyone did in my lessons, switched off the camera and the microphone and went off and did something else, came back later on. A few yeah. of the guys in my uh, group would just uh, join it on their phone, leave the phone in the car and then just go to work. <coughs> well, that is, now again, if, if that's, but it's a change in dynamics, isn't it? If you're used to a certain pattern of doing things and it suddenly changes, how do you react and, and, and respond to that? And I think, and again, the thing is, technically as well, Zoom obviously came out of nowhere. Nobody had heard of Zoom before the pandemic, and now it's one of the biggest companies in the world. And they've got all these people signed up. Now, they've, they've, they've allowed education to have more than 40 minutes free until now, but in July they switched that off. That's why the college is now pushing for teams. So they're only allowing 40 minutes, otherwise you have to pay for a professional package. Just as you said, switched it off, the board went. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Mark is actually listening. Yeah, there's a camera installed in there. Yeah. It's bigger than the track. Tracked and monitored. Which is already turned off. Big Roger is watching. Big Roger is watching. So think about the ethical, moral issues of, of those type of things. From the company's point of view, video conferencing and having remote working. Again, using this example of my, my colleague whose company's in London, it's really, really expensive to pay for rent, to have an office space in London. So why wouldn't you minimise that cost? If everyone's working from home, then you've saved a huge amount on the rent. But does that money get passed on to the employees? If I'm working from home 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I'm paying for all my gas and electric, I'm paying for all that stuff, at the, the internet, extra internet connectivity, I'm paying for a laptop, all those things. So shouldn't that be paid for by the company? You've then got this battle between companies and employees. Uh, so, impact on company culture. There's an increase in expected productivity. Again, using the example of my friend that runs his charity in London, now that the people are working from home, I think they come in one day a week just to, to tidy things up, the productivity has increased measurably. Right? People are so much happier working from home and being with their families that their productivity has gone through the roof. And that's true across loads of different companies. And why wouldn't it be? You know, you'd be much happier if you're in a company working, well, not necessarily working from home, being with family, depends on what you like. Now, bearing in mind that 50% of the workforce are women, and, they, and, and again, there's, there's lots of movements to try and get um, home, homework stuff paid for. You know, people looking up, women looking after children, it's a really hard job. It's not a paid job, but, but it should, probably should be. But increasingly... You look after your own children. What would they get and pay to look after your own children? Yeah, it's still a job, isn't it? You've, you've given up another job in order to do that. It should be some sort of compensation. Get, yeah, you get paid for having kids, though. Not necessarily. But okay, but the thing is, if if you don't if you don't bring up your children properly, then society sort of degrades, doesn't it, in a way? So it's an important job. Culturally, culturally, it's very important. You know, you get paid as a teacher. You get paid, don't you, if you leave when you're pregnant? Yeah, that's only, yeah, you get paid a, a certain percentage in terms of paternity or maternity. Well, we do here, you don't get in other countries. But anyway, but that's the thing is, if in terms of productivity and output, you know, working from home has obviously made a big difference. Uh, does that take, get taken into consideration? And I don't, again, if I'm guessing that if you did two or three days a week from home, you'd still be just as productive because all you need is a computer, really, isn't it? As long as you've got some input. Or do you need this environment? That's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because going forward, lots of colleges and schools and things like that, or lots of education things, are, they're talking about replacing this for online stuff. You know, you're just stuck in front of the Cisco thing all day long, learning lots of things through the machine. Yeah, but machine learning. You're right in front of the machine because we do that anyway, as it is. It's yeah, it won't work in every topic, I suppose. I, I, again, it's going to save cost. 
I personally, when you had to work from home for like school and that, I never found it that um, that easy because I'd always like I was easily distracted and stuff. Mm -hmm. So being in this environment, I'm sort of like with the teacher, and if I um, like go off and start looking at my phone or something, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get told, well, hey, stop doing that, keep working. Mm -hmm. Whereas at home, you can sort of just mute. Do Switch camera. Want. Yeah, I feel that as well. Yeah, so, well with my, yeah, I think I have. Um, I get distracted super easily. I mean, I'm trying to do work. I'll be like, oh yeah, I've got to do that. And I'll just walk around the house and do everything but that. Mm. It's motivating because you have everyone else doing work. Yeah, exactly. But likewise, it's more broadly yeah. though. I mean, if, if you leave this place, you get a job, you're likely to be working from home increasingly because of this pandemic. So that may be something you need to get used to. And okay, culturally and morally, this is the way society's sort of heading. So are you ready for it? And it doesn't sound, in many cases, I mean, I'd, this sort of environment's different, isn't it? But many jobs, if you're just working from home doing stuff, you're going to have to get used to that. So morally and culturally, that is a big change to, to society that we all need to deal with at some point. Not in this environment, when you go out to work, lots and lots of companies now are just saying it's cheaper, more effective for us to, to just stick something at home with a computer and a phone and let them get on with it. So again, it may be something you need to deal with, but that may be something that decide what kind of job you go for. If they say, um, who talked to me the other somebody? Oh, oh, the uh, network manager was, was looking at other jobs and he decided not to go in the end um, because they said to him, but the, the job they offered him, they said that you need to come into the office four days a week and he's, he's got a young family so he wanted to be at home as much as possible. So that determined what job, and in the end he pushed them to let him stay at home four days a week. But that's the way things are going, I guess, and that's from a support point of view. Um, but it is, in terms of ethics and morals, you know, it is heading that way. You know, our, if we replace, automate everything out and everyone's working from home, what does that mean as, in terms of society? In terms, in, in a really broad sense, in terms of culture, you know, working from home's great. I mean, I've been working from home for 10 years, but in the end, I just got sick of my own company. So I thought I'd much rather go into an office and, you know, have the, the riposte and whatever and have been talking to people and, and experiencing humanity. And it was much, I'm glad I did. I've done the inside at home too much. So that is a, a dilemma, I suppose. Ethically, uh, generally speaking, there is an increase in output. So again, the question on the exam might be, why would a company consider removing to remote working and home working? So you'd explain these are the benefits of it. However, you know there are some downsides, perhaps. Um, the other thing about technology, in terms of um, te using technology, I mean, for the company, it increases your reach and scale. Yep. Just now, the lesson I've just had with the the software group is my old colleague, my web developer, who, who lives in Canada. Right, so he's zoomed in, and he's given a programming lesson which I can't deliver myself from Canada. Right, so that increases the digital productivity. Things that I, I can't find a program around here for love nor money, and yet I can find one in Canada, and because of Zoom, I can set up a lesson for it, and, and I can record it, and I've now recorded it and stuck up online. So all those benefits of technology. Same thing, during lockdown, I had loads of guest speakers that I had coming in, I recorded the videos, and we could watch those back. Um, so that makes, in terms of reach and scale, uh, massive, isn't it? And, and technology is, again, that we've got this online server which I can spin off loads and loads of websites from rel relatively cheaply. And if you wanted to, you can all have your own website running. So technology really helps in terms of that type of benefit. And making companies, and you think about it on a company basis, they can actually reach out all over the world and they can actually set up systems and scale them as much as they need to. 
during the pandemic, lots of companies suddenly got business from all over the world, which they didn't have before, because of that, the people were sitting at home ordering all day long. Oh, God, I don't know what to do. I'll, do, I'll get on Amazon, do loads of orders. Um, but downside then, increase of staff monitoring. We sort of talked about that. So how do you monitor the staff? How do you know they're being productive eight hours a day? That's what you're paying them for. Uh, or do you relax a bit and say, okay, I know they're going to be off and you know, watching telly now and again, but let's just, like my old boss said, as long as you get something done at the end of the week, which is an agreed target, then I don't mind how you get there. If you, if you spend the day doing nothing, then that's okay. It depends on the company. Really? You know how we were talking about explosions and releasing gas at the last lesson? Yeah. Well, and the probability is 100%. Oh, yeah, I can stop there. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Adaptive working practice, I guess we've covered that as well, haven't we? If, you know, if you are working from home, it does take a slightly different change of attitude and working practices. Um, and some, some good, some bad, I guess. I mean, again, for my own... My, before I came to uh, Strode, obviously I was working from home just as the just before the pandemic happened. That year, because I was working from home, because I like cycling, I actually rattled up nearly 5,000 kilometres over the year. Right? Since I've been wow. at Strode, I've got about 50 done. I just can't go out. I've got no time anymore. Uh, I couldn't sneak out in the afternoon over my work. But again, working practices change, don't they? My working practices... One of the most difficult practices I had initially um, was was working over video phones. Right? I've got lots of friends over the and I've avoided doing this stuff over Zoom. That there's something different about being face to face somebody, even though you can see their face on the on the camera, it's still different. You know, and I I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if everyone feels the same way, but you're analysing people a lot more in their facial expressions on the Zoom call than you would be in real life. And you're looking for all sorts of patterns of things. Does anyone feel the same? Is that me being weird? It's you being weird. It's me being weird. Oh, I don't. <laughs> now, you've probably grown up with it. For me, I found it really, at first, I found it really awkward talking to my friends on video. I, mean, I found it very that. difficult, and I wanted to get yeah. it over with as quickly as possible. Everyone now, does I don't want to do it subconsciously, anyway. Mm. I think it, is, it feels, it has a certain soul to talking in real life compared to online, I feel like. Yeah, I don't know what it is. We're getting adaptive practice. Yeah. It's something we wouldn't have done before. You wouldn't have, you know. I suppose it's like in the early days when the early days of telephone, people picked it up and they couldn't understand why somebody, their relative, was talking down this thing. And you know, where are they coming from? So I suppose like that. Maybe not really. Right. So, so the impact on the culture of the company, good and bad. Everyone okay with that? Yes, impact, plus and minus impact, everyone okay on that one, on the company? Yeah. Right, more broadly then, oh no, before that. Increasingly, we're obviously moving towards automation, everything's being done, we've talked about this before as well. Most of the companies that I phone up these days, I have an automated voice or a automated prompts which plug me through 15,000 options until I get to the end where I have to start again because I've gone off the wrong one. So that automation of service, Again, you know, it's a changing culture, isn't it? It's nice to some extent for the company. They save a huge amount of money because they don't have to employ anyone to do that. But as and a lot of companies are now going back the other way because their customers are complaining, saying, I don't like these automated systems. I want to talk to a real human being. And again, I gave it as my extreme example. I don't, when I go into supermarkets, I don't like using those self-serve checkouts. I think if I'm using those, somebody's lost a job. 
It may be a, a menial job that's not very nice, but it still pays money and probably pays the bills. But if they put those in, those automated, that job's gone. Right? So that's unfair in a way. The job itself should be paid better anyway, but that's different. So, and that's, I think that's a key thing, dehumanisation. I, I hate going on those machines in order to do my shopping. You know, there's a lack of human interaction there, which was something quite important. May not be everyone's cup of tea. Again, I'm not the biggest fan of shopping, going into shops and people in your face and how can I help you? Not that it happens much in the UK, but again, it is dehumanising. If you go into, and that extreme example is that um, Google's new, not Google's, Amazon's new supermarkets. I don't think they're doing very well at the moment. But anyway, Amazon Fresh, there's nobody, there's one person maybe works there just to make sure if things fall on the floor they get picked up, but rest of the, there's nobody there working there as such. You go in, you scan your phone in as you go in, and you pick up the items and it picks up through, there's loads of cameras that pick up what you're picking up and obviously scanners, scanners, scanning all the barcodes. And you leave the shop without actually talking to anyone and then, then you get a bill on your phone. Brilliant. Now for many people, if you're busy and in the city, maybe that's a great thing, but for some people, and again, I'll go back to my, my example of the, on the weekend work at the library, that some of those people I see in the library, I'm probably the only person they talk to in the week. Right? Talk about dehumanising. Those people have got nobody to talk to because they go to the shops and it's all checkout, you know, automated checkouts. They go to, there's no bank to go to, they have to go online. You know, it's all becoming very dehumanised. So morally and culturally, where are we heading with all that stuff? If, if, it's a, if it's a good thing where all these automated services make our life easier, we don't have to work as much and have a great life, fine. But if those, those things are putting us out of a job, that's not so good. Right, so automation of services, dehumanisation, loss of jobs. If Amazon takes over the high streets with these automated shops with nobody works in, where do those jobs go? What, what jobs replace those jobs? There's nothing, is there? So those people are out of work, and therefore we've got a moral, cultural problem. Um, automation, again... The, the, the extreme example in terms of automation was that uh, chatbot they let loose on um, Facebook. Um, everyone started asking it really sort of racist, horrible questions, and within an hour, two hours, it was really unpleasant, and Twitter as well. So again, there's a loss of, loss of empathy. If, if I go onto an automated service, I'm saying, I'm really struggling to pay my, my gas bill. Your gas bill is such and such. Uh, no, I'm really struggling. No, I can't. It's either that or food. It is this much, pay it now. You know, it's really dehumanising, isn't it? So, there is a loss of empathy. If you're talking to a person, again, not always necessarily true, but if you're talking to a person, at least they can empathise and say, look, I know your bill's really bad, I'll see what we can do about it. Whereas a machine just say, this is your bill, pay it, or, or hang up. So the empathy side is now the other thing is a shift then in the skill requirements. Again, all those if Amazon Fresh takes over every supermarket chain in the country, all of those jobs are gone. What what do those people do? They're, those jobs were very difficult to get in the first place. So once those jobs are gone, what jobs replace them? None. And again, because if Amazon Fresh takes over the high street, Amazon Amazon classically for the time being anyway doesn't pay any tax. So who's going to pay for the roads to be fixed? At the moment, Sainsbury's and Tesco's pay a huge amount of corporation tax, which pays for the roads in order to deliver all those goods. If Amazon take it over and they don't pay any tax because they headquarter in these tax havens, all of the roads come, go to pieces and then we don't get stuff working elsewhere. Right? And then when you get your bus to college, you'll just be rattled to death as you bump over all these potholes. It already is. Like it already is. You should see Romania if you're not paying all your potholes. 
Is there a skills redeployment then? You know, what, again, you're all reskilling, aren't you? Or trying to skill up to get some sort of area. It's going to make it very difficult. Right, so how do these things then impact on society? The next topic. First of all, loss of privacy. If I've got something watching all the software that I do, that's not so bad, but it's still somebody monitoring me and calling up what I do. And again, in terms of loss of privacy, um, the extreme example is in, in, and this is what they're fighting at the moment, in the Amazon warehouses, because it's all time dependent on this little thing on your wrist. They literally don't have time to go to the toilet, so they carry a bottle around so they can, so they can have a piss in a bottle, because there is no time for anything else. Um, Again, loss of privacy, you can't go to the toilet, so you've got to go down one of the aisles where all the cameras are and just go to the toilet because you've got no time. And I remember um, my, my brother, who's not the, not the nicest person in the world, he was moaning because somebody, one of the van, and he orders loads of stuff off Amazon, and he was moaning because one of the van drivers, who's obviously pushed against time, had a bottle and he chucked it in his bin. Where else is he going to put it? And I said, I tried to argue with him. He said, yeah, they, they can't put that in my bin. I said, well, where else do they up. put it? You know, chuck it by the side of the road? You beat him up. It's just a rubbish bin. You beat him up? No. He beat you up? No. Oh. We, have, we have a fair contest. Right. You beat each other up. Lots of privacy. They're both on the floor knocked down. No, I'm not going to fight Gemma this week. Lots of privacy. Right? So that's the key thing, isn't it? Morally and ethically, if everything's automated and if we've got monitored, if we're working from home, if we do work from home and there's a camera in our room, and I don't like you, my, 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 computer, my computer desktop is in my bedroom because I've got, I, I can't put it anywhere else, really. So if I'm working from home, if there are cameras in my home, basically in my bedroom, right? It's not much privacy, is it? Um, now, the other thing is, in terms of impact on society, the digital footprint... If everything's done by technology, um, it means more things, more goods moving around. So digitally, you're, when you're ordering this stuff, there's a lot of expense involved in it, isn't it. We talked about it sort of briefly about the cost of saving on your flights and things like that. Yeah, we're like green stuff. We're being subverted anyway. Phones, cameras outside. True. Yep. Being, being filmed by your colleagues exactly. at the windows. Interesting. Actually, we said about that, didn't it? The, the YouTube started because the guy that started it noticed the videos from the um, tsunami in 2005. Yeah. And he said, well, wouldn't it be good that people could upload their phone videos? That's how YouTube started. Um, surveillance. As Alex said, every time you go up onto the high street in street, there are probably eight or nine cameras which are picking you up. Now, they may, not, may or may not do anything with it, but in terms of surveillance, the UK has the, the highest number of, of CCTV cameras in the world per person. You can't even see them. They're uh, they're yeah. And again, we talked about 5G. Some cities are putting 5G in place now. In one eye, we're testing Yeah, because they put a big one. They're opposite. Tesco specifically. Their plans is to have TVs in every aisle, a camera, so a TV um, as you come down, so, a TV, so it's basically like a laptop and laptop, right? so TV, TV, camera underneath, so that is a 360 one, so then you can see yourself on camera, so the idea is if you can see yourself being recorded, you're less likely to steal. I actually think that's a massive problem though for shelters, because then how are they supposed to eat? 
It makes my job so much harder. For no reason. <laughs> you get it done for anyway. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Is is now they, their their plans to put it in every single aisle. At the moment, they're just in key stealing aisles, like the alcohol aisle near uh, the entrance, the exit, and then sweets aisle and stuff like that. So, like, sort of, it's a deterrent, right? Yeah. But again, but from like a company point of view, so you could say, yeah, okay, you know, yeah. it's going to minimise shoplifting and things like that. But from a from a cultural perspective, morally, you know, I haven't given permission for them to film it. Exactly. When I go into their shop, but they're not recording it, so it's a bit like a loophole, right? All oh, right. Okay. So it's not recording; it's just just showing you. It's, it's, the almost, it's just it's, it's just a mirror, but without. But only you steps. know that. Nobody else does. But that's the thing. Right? That's. Mm. Yeah. The thing is, we're going to do some shifts. This is too many to stop for every customer. No, in terms of surveillance, so how do you feel in, in having this portal surveillance? Does it bother you? Yes. That's the, pro that's the thing, is we've grown up with it. I shop out in these little Tesco's. Yeah. Yeah. That's the price. Just, yeah, but if you go out on the street, then you'll film. I'd rather not. What, how do you feel about being filmed all the time? In, in shops, I guess it's like acceptable. You, you're being monitored. Like, yeah. If you do anything yeah. wrong, you can be seen. If it's in your own You're held accountable. Yeah. Whereas, whereas on the street, it's sort of like... But, but I guess the argument would be, if you're on the street and, and somebody attacks you, at least they can find out who did it and have some evidence. Because without the evidence, they cannot prosecute. Okay, so there's a cultural moral argument to both sides. And there's always going to be a balance, right? But not everyone's going to be happy. Yeah. Are you the is say, for example, my sort of level of how much I would have would be different to Ruben's, right? And that would be different to yours. It's like, it's that case. Now, the extreme cases are obviously using facial recognition technology, they're using it quite extensively in China. In order to pick up people, because it's like I guess you know big population, and they use it in order to pick people passing through various destinations and picking up. But it, again, there are loads of false positives. Lots of it's not that good software really. So people are being picked up and arrested. In an authoritarian state, people get a, a good beating before they realise it's the wrong person. So morally, it's quite a problem. If, if they introduce it here, again, you know. Everyone is slightly distinct, but we do have sort of doppelgangers, don't we? People that look similar to us, and we could get in trouble for things that are nothing to do with us. And if the software just, you know, if there's slight shade or something that doesn't pick up the clear picture, you could be arrested for something, and they'll say, well, here's the evidence, and it'd be very difficult to argue against. It's like the Hong Kong protests. protests. Does he pick up people by the facial recognition? That's yeah. why everyone hides themselves. It's not really why they're protesting, though, is it? What do you mean? Well, they're protesting the Chinese government. They're not protesting the CCTV. Yeah, but, yeah, but they're using the... But it's been used yeah, against him. Yeah. 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 So, again, in terms of exam type question, it might be there's increasing surveillance. Is this a good or a bad thing? And you'd have to give some examples, yeah? Okay, on that one, everyone? Yeah. Okay. So, changing behaviours. If all this stuff is happening... Then obviously there's going to be a change, one way or another, of behaviour. One key change in behaviour that this, this technology has done is that people can't leave their phones alone, no matter what. Yeah? But it is, it's a, and the phone is designed for that. It is specifically designed. All the, you can read all these studies that show you that the phone is designed to keep you there. The more you are, the more you try. Yeah, because you know, you're, you're basically a product that yeah. you know, they're trying to sell. So the more you use it, the more effective things, it is for them. A lot of things, they're designed to be addictive. And it's all these people 
that is their job to get you addicted on you know, certain websites or phones or any technology or anything? It is, I, I, probably addiction is a strong term. I mean, they, they want you to use their product because you're, particularly if you're paying for a time service or they're being paid for you to use a service that they're part of, then it's in their business interest to make you use it as much as possible. So it, it, it is sort of an addiction, but it's not necessarily I'd say, I'd say it's more along, along the lines of life because you can't go without it because everyone's into it. So if you if you don't get into it, then you're left out. Agreed. Yeah. And if you're left out, you're left out. There's you're nothing you can do. It is. Yeah. And again, there's 11 million people that don't have those basic skills, and everything's moving online. They can't get to it. In terms of then social skills, social skills are changing. Okay, I'll use my example of. Right, it took me a while to adjust to video conferencing, even though I'd done it before in the past. I just found it very uncomfortable initially. So in terms of social skills, it's changing, isn't it? It may be, you know, in terms of social skills, people's behaviour might adjust. If you knew that on the high street they are taking your photograph and using facial recognition to, to plot you against various crimes, you might change a bit. You might wear slightly different facial stuff, might you? Think it, it may change your behaviour, as I say. So social skills, uh, social behaviour, social changes related to this stuff. Um, Other changing behaviours, it means you've got a wider access to people. I'm using this type of technology, as I said, I'm, I'm getting lessons delivered from a friend in, in Canada at the moment, and that's really easy to do because of the technology. That's a big change. It does widen your professional network. I mention it all the time. If you, look, if you sign up for LinkedIn, again, going back not that, not that long ago, it'd be very difficult to find jobs anywhere. You'd have to go down to local job market if you're lucky and, and there might be something advertised. If you go onto LinkedIn, when I get job adverts from all over the world, once you put your profile in there, people, the algorithms look for you match, and they say, this person's looking for your skill set in this country, and here's how to apply. It's broad technology has made job hunting really easy. Um, and then the other problem in terms of social skills is your, your cultural identity. Yeah? If you're making all these digital assets, you're making all these social things, these profiles, these footprints, that stuff stays with you forever, doesn't it? Yep. There's loads of stories about people that go for a job, or they're, they're in a job, and they don't realise. They go out over the weekend, get really drunk, they load, upload loads of pictures of them doing all sorts of things. On Monday, they're called into the office and they're fired. They're saying, I saw what you did this weekend, you're, you're bringing our company into disrepute. You say, well, that's in my time. They say, I don't care, your face is all over the, all over the internet and you've just made our company look silly. That's going to be increasingly, the stuff you do now then you upload to the internet may well come back to haunt you in your jobs later in life. Oh, 100%. Can go stay Never goes away. So everyone, everyone understand about curation? Creation and curation. Yep. Creation and curation, baby. Your digital profile. Curation. That's curation, not creation. Curation. Curation. What does it mean? Maintaining it. Maintaining it. Yeah. If you're a curator of a museum, you look after all the artifacts. So you create you create a digital profile on all these different social media platforms. Over time, hopefully your image will change. Once you get onto LinkedIn, you have to do these profiles like this. You know, everything changes, but over time you need to change those. Most people, they, well, if you look on LinkedIn, their pictures from 20 years ago, making them look really good. 
Like you need to look after it, and you need to make sure it's valid, because people do judge you on that. People come back to me and say, I saw your stuff on LinkedIn. Oh, God, I better update that. Oh, no, not yeah. Really. yeah, I thought you were talking about Hammond. I didn't expect you to be like, the heroes. Yeah, no, I'm fine. Yeah. 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 So, don't put up anything embarrassing. I, I try to keep it fairly anonymous. We need to make a link on for our podcast. No face, no case. It's on. Go on to um, no Red face, Circle. No or, case. Uh, go on to Red Circle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We're famous. <laughs> right, so next. Everyone for the last one. Next one. I don't think there's any downloads. Communication yeah. access. Yeah. I downloaded it right now. Bailey. Communication access. Resistance to technological change. Right? Most people, well, most of you, I imagine, have got no problem whatsoever for technological change, but 11 million people, as I keep saying, in the UK do not want to go online. They've got no interest whatsoever in curating their digital profiles, etc., etc. Why would they? It makes no difference to their life whatsoever. However, they need to do that at some point. Um, I mentioned about potential isolation. If you're not on the internet, again, just a simple thing, you see the adverts on telly, particularly like for Skype and stuff like that, people can talk to their relatives in Australia all of a sudden, who they probably haven't seen for years and years. Makes it very easy to do. So, um, some of the communication access transition to remote communication and services is gonna to lead to, and again, as I said, in the end, I got sick of being on, at home on my own. I wanted to get out and see people. So you do get isolated, and if we do move to a pure at-home working situation, that is something you're going to have to get used to. You might not have any choice. That's an issue. Um, other potential isolation, this is going back to my library people. They, they don't have the technical skill to do this stuff, right? Um, one lady I help at the library, she's been obviously long-term unemployed. She must have left school with you know, hardly, if any, qualification whatsoever. She's got some social skills. Very difficult for her to get a job, and yet she has to apply three days a week or three different jobs a week. She has to apply for. She's got no chance of getting them, but she has to do that, or they won't give her the money just so she can live. So nobody will take her for a job, and, and she has to do all these stuff, or she won't get any money to live. Very difficult. Uh, so skills and technology. If you're not very good on the internet and digital skills, it's very difficult to get anywhere anymore. All of the jobs are moving that way. Increasingly, for your generation, it's not a problem, but for people that are older that never got into it, that means they're out of that marketplace completely. Um, and then one key problem we've got, particularly in this room, if we're dependent on this internet technology, trying to get a signal is, is ultimately really important, isn't it? And if you can't get a signal, then you're stuck. Loads of people still out in sort of rural communities can't get any internet access at all, or it's very poor. It's like a dome around it. Street, where just no it does seem to be, doesn't it? Yeah. But it means well, it puts us out of doing things, doesn't it? The street is so weird because, like, in here, I, abs I get one bar and that's like nothing. Right? If I stand outside of the college building, I get 5G. Yeah. It's so it's bizarre. Or if you just go next just, door. If you go up Street Hill, you get no service. If you go up to Walton, you get no service. If you go up the other way towards Shepton, you get no service. But in Street, you get service. 
Um, I apparently get 4G. Apparently, I get 4G in here as well. And then if I go outside, I get LGE. Mine just doesn't work. I'll turn the frequency. And finishing up on this one then, so this is the positive side of technology. One positive side of technology. I can look up anything if, I, if I've got some medical condition. I can look it up on the line. The NHS website's got really good detailed stuff. I don't need to go to the doctor anymore. In fact, the doctors moan when you go there because you know as much about it as they do. Yeah. I had a real argument with a specialist when, when my daughter had asthma. Because I'd looked it up, I'd read all about it, and he wanted to put her on steroids. I said, I don't want her on steroids. They're not useful in this particular case. He had a right go at me. You're some sort of expert, I said. Yeah, I can Google as well as you can. 51 quid. Could you imagine that? Like, I'm the worst kind of patient. Why? Like, you go what to the doctor and, they, and you say, oh, I've got all that symptoms, and they turn to you and they just Google That's it. That's the same thing I've got. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure you've got a pancreatic cancer. I would have got a dodgy knee. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure you're going to die in a week. Sorry. There is a reality to that. Most GPs specialise in certain areas. They don't know everything there is to know. I mean, whenever I go to the GP, they flip through the book and they look at the symptoms. No, you, you can't expect to know everything. Anyway, so you've got loads of advice, you can look stuff up. Most of you now, you know, you, you're carrying a massive computer around in your pocket, you can look up anything, can't you, if you're stuck for stuff. Uh, in culturally and morally, not, well, not morally, culturally, it's a big change. Most people now are gradually becoming so dependent on that that you don't bother learning anymore. Why would you? Why would you need to learn stuff if you just look it up? My mum, uh, when she was at school, always got told, oh, you're never going to have a calculator in your pocket at all times, learn your bloody times tables, <laughs> right? And it, science fiction became science fact. Yeah, and true. You, you carry a supercomputer in your pocket at all times. And it's like things like, like loads of mathematic things all just became like obsolete, having to learn all these things, because mm. you can just Google them at any time. Yeah. You're always going to be connected. You're very rarely not. Like, obviously, you have the signal problems, but you say, like, give it 20 years, you're going to have... Well, not even now. Right, rely. You could right now. Right, reliable. The right. Thank you. The reliability. The reliability of it is still like. Right now, I could Google any maths equation and have it within seconds. And it's that's then finding that balance between older styles of teaching and things like maths and the newer styles of. Well, hold on a minute. I'm always going to have tech on me. Yeah, I mean, there will be a hold up, won't there? Because I think. Again, in the summertime, you're going to be doing a written exam, and yet you're all technically savvy. Exactly. You could write it on the computer, so there's going to be some lag, I suppose. So, some of the benefits then, obviously access to all this information, looking for jobs. You can if you wanted to. I, did. I think I gave you a link. I think I did, anyway. Toronto University is offering free courses in, in network technology. You can sign up and get, if you pay £30, you can get a certificate, but... You can sign up for all these courses. You can go. You can sign up for Harvard. They do free lessons. Everything is open to us now. Huge change. All you've got to have is time. Right. With everything that's good, obviously there's always bad. So we've looked at the wonderful, fabulous things. Now look at the impacts and the risks and the problems with technology. The first of which, the impacts, we've got these into separate categories. The first one is psychological impacts, right? There's been a massive increase in cyberbullying. Yep. 
huge increase in cyberbullying uh, to the point where it's very difficult to control. Um, again, because you've got you've got access to your if you've got access to your phone 24 hours a day, it means everyone else has got access to it. And if you get the wrong person who gets access to it, they're going to make your life miserable, aren't they? Because they can access you whenever they want, wherever you are. That makes a huge difference. Psychologically, that's like some horror film, isn't it? Something for treat. Um, there is a problem, I guess, again, you know, there is, the thing about some sort of mental health problems, people don't want to accept they are a mental health problem. And again, one of those key things like phone addiction is something people won't accept or, or acknowledge. Because it's not a comfortable thing to acknowledge, is it? It is part of the problem. If you can't recognise it, you can't fix it. Again, that, the example I gave you when I was at school, this girl was getting really nasty with her dad because he would give her a slightly more phone credit. And that's mental health problems for the poor dad, let alone the kids. Yeah, but it's also in the upbringing. It is, but if all your friends have got that, this is the problem I have. You know, my kids, I didn't, give them phone, I didn't give them a phone until they were 15. But they had all sorts of problems as a result. Why haven't you got a phone? Is there something wrong with you? That yeah. type of thing. So again, mental health is a problem, isn't it? Yeah, but we've relied on Again, they're trying to change the law to stop online gambling things affecting certain people, but, you know, if you're accessible, if they know they've got you on the phone and you've got money on your phone, they'll take it. So social media and gaming is, is, is targeting you as much as it can. Your generation, again, the fact that you've got a £1,000 phone or whatever, you've got a lot of expendable money that people want to come after. Huh? Has everyone got a bank account? Yeah. 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 So again, you know, people will target you to take that money away from you if they can. Yeah. You have a psychological problem with this technology, this stress. If, the thing is with me, I don't know how you feel, but sometimes I wake up at night, and because I've got internet access, I'll go and sort stuff out. I can't get away from work at all. And I think the same for people. When I used to see people commuting on the train, they'd say to me, oh, it's great, I can work on the train now. So well, you're not being paid for that, are you? You do four hours of free work every day. You're only paid for the, the hours you're at work, so it's quite stressful, I suppose. Um, we've then got physical problems. Again, in 20 years' time, you're going to be like this. Your back's going to be done in. Mainly because you're like this all the time on your phones. Yep, it's going to be bad for your neck. Eye strain. Just curious, I, I have, if I use a tablet, not maybe not so much a phone, but the phone's getting quite big now, but if I use a tablet for an extended amount of time, I get really sore arms and wrists. It's not a heavy amount, but you're holding it like that all the time, it's quite difficult. I think that's going to cause long-term problems. Maybe. I mean, phones are getting quite big now, aren't they? They're, I mean, they're, they're reasonably light, but they're getting to the point where they're, you know, quite a few grams, and if you're holding that all day long, they are. But it doesn't take a lot of weight to, to cause that. There is a lot of stress on your arm carrying that weight all the time. So that could be an issue. This is looking at the medical type of things. Eye strain. Obviously, looking in bright rooms and things like that would be bad for you. Um, RSI. Everyone knows RSI. We've done that in a different unit. Or carpal tunnel syndrome. Now, I, there's some students I've talked to who said over the holidays they played played one computer game 12 hours straight. 
12 hours. 12 hours? Yeah. Only 12? Yeah. Only 12? Days on ends. Okay. One key thing, morally and ethically, right? This is from the good old days. Again, no phones in my day. Every night after school, I'd be out playing football or going out causing mischief somewhere. Now, I go out, if I go out after school any day, and even if it's nice weather, there's nobody around. There's no kids in the park. It's really sad. Nothing. Everyone's in their room. It's really, really sad. There's no kids anywhere. Everyone's in their room playing football online. Terrible. No physical activity. We're going to end up like people on the uh, Wally at the end. Yeah, floating around on that shop. I go out all the time. You'd be surprised. I'm talking in the broad context here, not And finally, one finally, loads of studies have said if you do not stop using your phone or an electric device at least an hour before you go to sleep, you will not sleep. And you have really disturbed patterns. Now, again, there are studies. There was, I, there was a study in Nature magazine that the article was asking, do you need to sleep? Yeah? And effectively, what they did is they kept, because most experiments happen on fruit flies, fruit flies genetically are very similar to us, strangely. They did experiments on fruit, fruit flies and they kept them awake for a certain period of time, and eventually they build up toxins in the body and they die. So if you don't sleep, it does eventually lead to a lot of damage in your body. Right? You do need sleep. I think your age, you probably need six or seven hours sleep, uninterrupted sleep a night, to be healthy. You probably don't get that because you're probably up playing games all night. Only six. How much was it, sorry? About six or seven, I think. That said, I mean, a lot of teenagers sleep sort of 14 hours a day. 14 In the holidays. Honestly, if I could sleep, I would. I use this thing called um, Sleep Cycle, which is on, it's on the App Store. Have you ever used it? Basically, you set a timer between, so I want to wake up between six and half six. So I'll set the timer then. And it'll say well, like how much uninterrupted sleep I've had, um, and it'll wake me between depending so on what my dreams you get is. So if I have a dream or you know when you wake up at some point in your sleep, I don't know it's not exactly it'll wake you just after that, so you don't go into bed and then wake up. Did you mention how much uninterrupted or deep sleep do you get? I'm about one. I mean, uninterrupted about six, which isn't great. I mean, it's just not bad. I mean, you shouldn't tumble drive. So, these electronic devices then causing sleep deprivation. Okay, this is in broad terms, not in terms of So, it's going from being soaking wet to soaking really, really hot. So, if that's the case, how do we stop it? Kill all children. Whoa. So, so taking screen breaks, you can get programs on the computer which will force you, will shut down and force you away from the computer every couple of hours. Legally, you're supposed to take a break at least every hour, hour and a half from the computer. Something along those lines. You should be doing five, six hours at a stretch anyway. Um, how do we regulate against mental health problems? Is there a way? Yeah. yeah. Everything in moderation is good. Good, yeah. All things in moderation. Just well, yeah. yeah, I'd say more, more things in moderation. Mitigation for obviously abuse is to report to the, the authorities. Whether they'll do anything or not. In terms of your actual phone level, the wallet and compare and miss an hour. True. So you could say that maybe more time on their phone would be better for their mental health, and then other people spend too much time on it, get depressed. 
That's an interesting argument. Yeah, there's probably some truth in that for quite a lot of people. I guess the problem is when when do you know what point you say I'm okay to miss whatever's coming next? That's a difficult thing, and that's where I think you're right. The mental health comes in saying, well, and that's actually, that's how Twitter works. It constantly scrolls to keep your attention, and you think, I don't know, oh, uh, 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 all day long, I guess. That's a really, to get into that mental state is quite difficult. You'd have to be quite strong to do that. So that's why, that's why some sort of mitigation, some sort of help would be useful. Because some people can do it, most people can't. Um, and I, I went for a spell, and again, when I was working from home, I went for a spell when I first introduced it to Twitter. I just couldn't leave it alone. I found it so interesting. Just constant, constant feed of information I, I just thought I needed. Now I, I don't go around it as much as I can. Yeah, well, that's, I think that's different. I think that's a good positive thing, isn't it? The fact, one key positive, I think, that, that I didn't have as a kid is I don't know where my friends were. I'd have to wander around the usual places and they may or may not be there. Now you can say, where are you? And you can meet up. I think that positive, really good thing. Well, they, they, they tell you they're somewhere they're not. They could, I guess mental health problems there. Social media can be used to amplify friends and be social. Yeah, it's not So again, going to Kobe's argument, you could use it positively or negatively. Yeah, exactly. In terms of mental health, and again, it's going to affect everyone slightly differently. So mitigation. So if there's problems, if cyberbullying, etc., then you need to report it. Uh, there are laws to mitigate it. So you're supposed to get really comfortable chairs with armrests and stuff like that when you're using computers. Although we get exemptions in education for some reason. Um, footrests, screen filters. The, the screen filters not so much anymore because I think screens are quite good, particularly these high refresh rate ones. They don't really cause any problems. And finally. Very difficult one, I suppose, depending on your personality, is, is self-exclusion or self-regulation. How easy is it to stop yourself? If you're into gambling, how easy is it to stop yourself doing that? Again, back in the day, if you wanted to gamble, you'd have to go to the bookies or to, you know, to the racetrack. So it, physically, it made it quite difficult to do. Now, on the phone, you can just sit in your bedroom all day long. If that was designed. All right, any questions then? <laughs> any questions? That's section two there. Should be okay on the exam, I think. Lou, you can end it there, I guess. That's section two. So next week, we'll do... Thank you for listening to our podcast. Hopefully you learned something. If you didn't, listen to it again. You might actually learn.